brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Welcome to On The Mat, special live edition from Junior Duels, technically known as USA Wrestling Junior National Duels. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I guess it doesn't matter to those listening on the podcast that we're live, but it's special because we're going to be able to get a series of guests. I am, of course, Kyle Klingman of Track Wrestling, along with Andy Chicken Smoothie Hamilton. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Kyle. I am doing great. This is the closest that on the mat has actually been to being on the mat. I mean, we can almost reach out and touch mat one from where we're sitting. I would say if either of us laid down right now in front of the table, we might be able to touch that mat. We're that close. Or mat two. Here by the raised stage. Yeah. This is great. I love this. You were out at Cadets in Spokane, Washington. So 16U, Kyle. 16U. Yeah, 16U. And there was 14U. We got some 14U women's going here. We've had Junior Greco. We've had Junior Women. Now we have Junior Freestyle. This has been a fantastic tournament so far. Yeah, we got uh, Texas and Oklahoma about to go down right in front of us on Matt 1. Red River Shootout about to take place. So Oklahoma team's got a lot of hammers on it. They're going to be fun to watch here for the next uh, 90 minutes or so. Illinois doing their thing. First women's championship for Illinois. And what's cool about that is they don't even have sanctioned women's wrestling. And they do it. And it feeds into what you wrote about with the culture. A lot of culture for this particular tournament for Illinois. Well, yeah, they've been so strong. Freestyle Greco summer program for so long. Greco program won its 10th junior duels title in 13 years on Thursday. Thursday, And you just look up and down the line. It doesn't matter the age group. It doesn't matter the style. Illinois USA wrestling program is so strong. That they're in the mix to win a title. No matter what, they'll be in the mix to win a title here in uh, junior freestyle as well. Let's get to a little mailbag first. We had someone right in and talk about our workhorse Thomas Gilman show pony we're workhorses we're not show ponies so let's keep it in perspective he said it was from Seth Van Gelder he said your new theme song should be by all them witches it's actually called workhorse he said love the line lord I'm a workhorse when I'm able more like a war horse caught in the stable so that is a suggestion from Seth Van Gelder for our new theme music for 
on the mat. We will take that under consideration. I don't know what copyright laws there are. Of course, we have Jason Bryant at the helm that can help us figure that out. So if Jason approves, I'm sure we can find a way to get that song into the mix, even if it's for a short clip. So we'll look into that. Which begs the question, are there really any popular wrestling songs out there, songs that relate to wrestling? I only know of one. And I don't even know if you'd consider it mainstream, but it's called Take You Down. You remember that country song? Yeah. You, you seem disappointed. You just seem so listless about it. It was a video that included Tom Brands, Dan Gable, and Mark Ironside. I think you like those guys. Yeah. Okay. But not a big fan of the song. Let's just, yeah, it's not my favorite country okay. song. Okay, I mean, that's okay. But are there any songs? I know that- a lot of people love that song, and I don't like. I don't. I don't dislike it. But you don't like it either. It's right in the middle. Sure, it's right in the middle. Okay, but so we got two songs to consider. If you just want to go check it out, and we'd love to get your thoughts on it. Do you like the song "Take You Down"? And should we go with "Workhorse" by All Them Witches? Is our theme song for the foreseeable future on on the mat? So give us your thoughts. Chime in. You can reach us through a number of ways: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Contact us. And we will chime in, and you might be on the next mailbox. We're workhorses. We're not show ponies. Yeah, we are. We're workhorses. And perspective. Let's do a little Final X recap. We both had an opportunity to see one live. I got to see the Lincoln live. You got to see, of course, the New Jersey live. And we get a chance to just break down the, the most recent 15 weight classes. And we were treated to an extended series in three of those matches. And they're the ones that you'd want to see extended. Dayton Fix against Thomas Gilman. Jordan Burroughs against Isaiah Martinez. And let's stop right there with Imar and Jordan Burroughs. Burroughs drops a match to Imar in the second match. But you see why he is a five-time world and Olympic champion when he came back in that third match and really showed why he can extend a lead and why... Just because you have one win against Jordan Burroughs doesn't mean you can sit on it. We just saw a huge five right in front of us. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Jordan Burroughs, when his back is against the wall, when he has to go get points, it's when he's at his most dangerous. And he knows how so to get That's when him. he's most dangerous. I think, I, I mean, look at what he did against Franklin Gomez. Five minutes and 55 seconds didn't get a lot done, and... The Pan Am Championships against Franklin Gomez needs to go get points in the closing seconds and double legs him with half a second left to win. Well, how many times have we seen it? It happens over yeah. and over and over and over and over again. And he talked about it after uh, his win in Lincoln where he said he would rather be down in the closing seconds than have a one-point lead. Because then you don't know whether to shoot, you don't know whether to... You, whether you stay on the defense, whether to look for a counterattack. He says when you're down, you just know you have to go get a takedown. You have to go get points. And when we break that down, look at the 2018 World Championships in the quarterfinals. He was up against Sitikov, and look what happened there. Had to... Hey, he kind of let down his guard for about a half second there. Kind of got away from where he should be and reached a little bit maybe, and Next thing you know, Sitikov is pushing him out with half a second to go. Jordan Burroughs still on the world team. Dayton Fix makes the world team. They go the rubber match. They go three. And then Tyler Graff makes his first world team at the age of 30. He wins over his rival in Joe Cologne. They have a storied rivalry going back to college. Cologne won the first match. Tyler Graff came back and won the next two. And he is now on a world team. So the picture is different from last year. We look at up and down what's happened last year. The last two years, you've seen a a rotation of guys that you felt good about. We're in the second year of our 10 weight class product. And it's still one to go. We still have to see what's going to happen with Deeringer and Dake. But no matter who comes out of that one, I feel good. But it's a different team than last year. And I think because of that, of course, it's going to be a different result. But I think 
anytime you have question marks, it's always just a little uneasy because you just have some unproven products out there, and it really starts with the, the first couple weight classes. Yeah, we've certainly seen Fix coming for a long time, and two years ago, one of the most dominant performances at a world championships in American history. Well, I think it was like 53-1 to 1 or something like that in Finland at the Junior World Championships. It was unbelievable. And then went to the U23s and lost first round, and of course lost to Thomas Gilman in two straight last year at uh, Final X, but there's no question he's a world-class scrambler. He's incredible on top. Got a lot of things going for him. He I think we'll be in the mix to medal. And thing with Fix, if he can create angles and create action on his feet, I think he's going to score some points on his feet, and that'll be huge for him. Not sure what the status is at 65 kilograms. As of right now, it's still Zane Rutherford. Haven't heard any of... Hey, how about for a second, before we go too far down the Zane train path, Dayton Fix was wrestling in this tournament two years ago, Kyle. Grew up right outside Tulsa here in Sand Springs. Pretty awesome, man. Shows you the depth of this tournament and how good of quality of wrestling you get at the Junior Duels. So kudos to him for being part of that. And the alumni list is impressive. Yeah, no doubt. One of the things that's really cool about Dayton is here he's getting ready to wrestle in a, a Junior World Championships two years ago and proven everything that he had proven in his age group up to that point still out here wrestling for Team Oklahoma a couple years ago. That's really cool to see. And I think there's a, there's a lot of pride in Oklahoma for the for the dual series, particularly on the freestyle side. You're seeing a lot of the top kids in the state are, are out here competing. I think Oklahoma's going to be in the mix to win a title this weekend. Team concept is on full display here, which is really a cool deal because you, you really do see the enthusiasm from the sideline, both men's and women's, they really get into it. It's a point of pride for your state because they come from all over the state, and it means a lot to win matches, win championships. So and, and it does fun. some teams more than others. They take a little more pride in it than others, and that was one of the really cool things to see out in Spokane is just, as you mentioned, you got all-star caliber wrestlers coming around from coming in from all over the state for each of these teams and, and you're putting them together on short notice and some of these guys uh, have been adversaries and now they're becoming teammates and yet seeing a lot of team camaraderie. Team Illinois, Team Minnesota last week in Spokane, two down-to-the-wire dual meets that went down to the last match both in Greco and Freestyle and boy, the guys on both benches were we're super into it. It was a lot of fun to watch. And the women really get into it, too. We saw the final between Illinois and Washington, and they have a very passionate fan base, meaning their team on the sideline, and they get into it. And You have to love that enthusiasm. So across the board, this has been a great tournament for 16U, Junior, 14U. This has been quality, and great job by USA Wrestling for putting on a great event like this. Hey, I derailed the Zane train there for a little bit when I started talking about Dayton Fix. You were going down uh, that avenue. You're going to talk about Zane Rutherford a little bit. Kyle. Well, we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen there. I, I feel good about either of those guys. Sure. No matter what happens there, I think it's a deep weight class, so worldwide. No doubt. It is, but I feel good about what the United States has represented there. And, and the one thing you saw is Zane really did make adjustments in his match against Gianni, regardless of what happens there. Is that's a hallmark of Penn State is they know how to make adjustments and they know how to bring guys around to win championships. And kudos to them. And we'll see what happens there. He's been on a lot of attacks in that series. He sure was. So we'll, we'll see what happens in that particular match. So across the board, we have some guys from last year's world championship team, some new guys coming in. As we said, Tyler Graff makes his first world team at the age of 30. Wiz is still there. Kyle Snyder is still there. Jaden Cox is still there. But we'll see what Pat Downey can do at 86 kilograms. We still don't know what will happen at 79. Jordan Burroughs is a proven commodity. James Green is back there. So Team USA is deep. We know we have returning medalists, but still some question marks with some guys in the lineup. But as you said, there's some age group success with several of those guys that says that they can be successful at the Senior Worlds. 
Including Pat Downey. Yeah, silver medalist at the Junior Worlds. But, uh, yeah, I think whoever comes out at 79 kilos is going to be equipped to win a world title. I think the United States had three guys last year, I think, that were medal-worthy, and Derringer's had a lot of success internationally. Kyle Dake, of course, didn't allow a point in Budapest, and then uh, Zahid Valencia probably gave Kyle his toughest match outside of Derringer in 2018. He did. Yeah, what was it, 5-5? I can't remember scores, Kyle. I can't remember what happened. Yesterday, score-wise here. so You can. Hey, are you going to fill the listeners in on why you called me chicken smoothie? I, I really don't want to because it's <laughs> it's a disgusting So So Kyle, Kyle brings like a tool kit full of food, and he's whipping up smoothies and throwing everything under the sun into these smoothies. Healthy. Kale. Bananas, pineapple, soy milk, yogurt, all that. It's like uh, Smoothie King. Yeah, what you would normally room. put into a smoothie. And it leftover chicken, and I asked him if he was going to throw that in a smoothie, and he didn't like the thought of chicken yeah, smoothie. It, it really did <laughs> disturb me in, in a variety of ways, and <laughs> I haven't gotten that thought out. And then you just kept adding what we would put in there, barbecue sauce, chicken. I don't know if you threw pork in there at some point, but I, I wasn't happy about it. And just even talking about it now brings a I little salty your, taste. I found, found your weakness. Oh, man. it's Found uh, your weakness, it's Kyle. It's not good. It's not good. But what is good, we have a multitude of guests that we're going to get to. And what do you say we bring in our first guest, Andy? Let's do it. Andy, look who we got for our first guest for this live edition of On the Mat at the Junior National Duels in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Four-time All-American, undefeated in high school, world teamer, known as the East Lansing Strangler. We got Nick Simmons. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me on. This is great, man. This is cool because you have done a lot of great wrestling over the years and it started at a young age, but as we look back... What's that? You faked (laughs) it? it. (laughs) We enjoyed it. When you look back at this and you, you get an opportunity to see these kids wrestling in this environment, what do you remember about this environment and growing up in Michigan and having these opportunities? Just uh, just like you said, doing stuff like this, going out, performing on the national stage, you're with your buddies, you know, all you guys have the same goal in mind, that type of thing, you know. It's, it's just fun. It's different, especially a team aspect. There's a whole different element added to it. I just see kids with you. They're trying to get the best of you, see what they can do. They can, of course, but that's just got to be fun for them to be around someone as high level as you and to experience this with someone who has been through it like you have. Yeah, you know, I just try to, just like you said, we've already been through it and been through it on many different levels and at the level they're at or, you know, even if they're at the next level and try to keep them uh, focused at the at the same time, light at the same time. Like you said, you saw me messing around with them over there. I give these guys an inch to try to take a mile from me. Got to love them. The old guy still got a little bit. <laughs> of course, the name like East Lansing Strangler means that you were vicious on top. How did you develop your style? It was just more from just how we grew up and how dad, our dad uh, just instilled it in us, you know. It just go out there, get it over with, dominate. Pull points up on the board, get, get the fall and get off the mat. Shorter you're on the mat, uh, less likely something bad can happen. No one can catch you. Just get up, get in and get out. And that's how I always approached every wrestling match. Go out there, get the fall, be done. When you get and, in those... And, that, and that's the way I teach my kids, too, my club kids. Get in and get out. Go out there, get the fall. When you implement that, do, how long does it take them to respond to that? Do they pick it up right away? Does it take a, a lot of development? Because it is a it's a punishing style, and it right. takes a lot of effort to be able to execute it. Right. No, it just, it's like anything else. It's just getting them to to uh, believe in what you're telling them, right? They need to trust their coaches and believe in what they're t- that what I'm telling them and what my assistant coach is telling them. And he, for my club-wise and stuff, you know, we all have, my coaches have the same mentality, you know, obviously with my brother there and stuff and a couple of my other guys, Ben. It, and it starts wearing off on the kids and they, they start seeing it and we're, we make them do it at tournaments. We don't play a lot of the takedown-cut game. Get out there, work for the fall because all of it's going to help. If you can wrestle on the mat... You know, in any style, wrestling's a heck of a lot easier than it is just going up on your feet the whole time. Freestyle, folk style, you were good at both. Which did you prefer? 
Uh, to be perfectly honest, it doesn't matter to me pretty much. The uh, my the way I wrestle, the style that I wrestle, it, it translates. It switches over easy for me, just because how how I do everything, you know. So it just switches over. And right now, I prefer folk style because I don't have to let go of the kiss and go back up to my feet. One of the iconic Nick Simmons photos of all time, the Splatel at the World Championships. How many of those did you get in freestyle? Oh, man. I got a lot of those in freestyle, especially freestyle. You know, you know, if you tripod up, you're not giving up the takedown, so everyone tripods up. So it makes it a heck of a lot easier for me to get in, especially you know, with some of those foreigners that have never seen something like that or know that I do it. They always want to tripod up. You know, The guy I lost to in the world semifinals, you know, the world champ, he, uh, I pinned him the month before in a Splatel. It's just something that it's fun and unique, you know. Did you did you see the uh, scrap life we came out with the uh, ice platel shirts? I haven't from, seen them yet. From that photo, really, with that photo on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing now. You went from being a, a college assistant to running your own club, doing some RTC stuff yep. as well. What have you appreciated about what you're doing now? Uh, well, giving giving back to the youth kids of Michigan, you know helping the Michigan kids where we started and you know I like being out help our state you know state of Michigan all levels you know I have five-year-olds all the way through fighters that I train over there you know and I'm home I live close to family you know three four I'm pretty much in my hometown where my whole family lives you know so I just I like doing what I'm doing I kind of got free reigns to go to all these tournaments with these kids and help them try to reach their goals or dreams whatever it may be you know maybe it's a state placer maybe it's a national champ maybe it's d1 or two you know everyone's gonna be a little bit different so it's just and helping them decide what's going to be the best avenue for them too so with team michigan there's obviously a ton of talent in the state of michigan right now and and not all of the top wrestlers are here from michigan how how do we get a full buy-in like there is for maybe on illinois and minnesota and some of the other states here yeah i don't know i mean because we had a Seven of the kids out of my club signed Division One. I, I we had them bought in, and they were all going to come. A couple of them got hurt, and kind of you know the wheel just kind of fell off a little bit from that, which I get a little bit. But uh, we'll see what happens these next couple of years too. You know, where these guys get them at least to do junior duels. Far, Fargo, I get a little bit because they're starting school, start training, getting ready for the college level, which I get too. You know, but uh, trying to get them all out to junior duels is what is my goal. Sam Winkles walking around here. Of course, he was a. You haven't seen him yet. Big rival of yours. What do you guys talk about when you see each other? Oh man, just messing around usually. Probably the last time that we wrestled, when he went to try to foot switch me and kick me, and we both my foot didn't move. We just looked at each other and started laughing at the NYAC. But no, like you said, good rivalry. Great matches. I would. I would do them all over again with that guy. He's a great competitor. You know, he's a good guy. Me and him talk. You know, we'll play video games online together or whatever. You know, we used to and go out and disc golf together, stuff like that. You know, I love Sam. Speaking of battles from yesteryear, the one with Henry Cejudo in the Olympic trials, how much fun was that? That was fun. It was fun to be a part of, you know, especially, you know, we all know Cejudo's a great wrestler and he's doing great things right now for our sport and in the UFC right now, you know, so just to be a part of that match, you know, and the way it was wrestled and every, just both out there to score points. Of course, you know, it's even better when you come out at the, the right end of it, but I lost the next match for the Olympic spot, so, I mean, kind of uh, doesn't matter to me really as much, but in Carver Hawkeye when it sold out, standing ovation. I don't even think I've ever been cheered for in that arena. <laughs> <laughs> How many points would have been on the board if, if the system scoring system was oh, then now? what it is now? A lot. Yeah, that, that would have ran up a lot for sure. Between, the, like you said, the way he wrestles, the way I wrestle, someone's scoring points, and we're both scoring points. So it makes it fun, and that's how wrestling should be, you know, and hopefully like with my kids and seeing that those kinds of matches and stuff, and they're showing me in the club, I'm like, that's how we wrestle, guys. We wrestle to score points. Kyle's going to be traveling over to Sofia, Bulgaria here in a month to cover the Cadet World Championships. One of the top guys on that team is a kid from Michigan, Alex Facundo. What makes him special? 
just, you know, the way he moves and wrestles, he's a great competitor, you know, hates to lose, really nice kid, great kid, you know, working with him a little bit at the RTC practices, he's one of Donahoe's kids, but uh, he's a tough wrestler, man, he's going to be, he's going to be one of the greats, you know, cadet world's you know, going on to college, he just, he's a real special kid, he's got special talent. Going back to the 2012 Olympic trials, one of the interviews I remember most was when you came out and you talked about not making the Olympic team and, and how painful it was. What is it about that Olympic dream that when you don't make, you get so close, what is it about that that hurts so much? Just, uh, it's probably just more the, the letdown you feel yourself because that's what you dream of when you, when I started wrestling, you know, it's our pinnacle. I mean, Worlds is great too, but Olympics is pinnacle in our, you know, in our sport. It was for us. It was for me anyways, you know, and that's where I always wanted to do and always wanted to be. And it just didn't fall right that year for me. You know, it happened to be in 2011, you know, so who knows? Maybe I'll just jump back in this one. You thinking about it? <laughs> no. 2020? No. Come on. No. My guys, my, uh, the RTC guys are at Cliff Keen there. They always ask me. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so, guys. That means I can actually start training. Just go up to 74 kilos and challenge Burroughs and just see what happens, all right? Only on top of front headlocks. <laughs> hey, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us, and all the best to Team Michigan. All right, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Andy, how awesome is this when you can get a dad who – is strong as a bull ox. This guy's awesome. You did a great story about him, and I want you to fill us in on how you found out about this story with our next guest. Well, you're going int- to introduce our you're next guest? Yeah. All right. We have Brent Mikesell here, father of Cadet Greco World Teamer Braxton Mikesell out of Washington. And how I learned of the story is we're in the mix zone in Akron, and Braxton was talking about the challenges that he has in finding workout partners. And he said, uh, some along the lines of, I have to drive three to five hours one way to find a good workout. And I was like, holy smokes, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. So, unbelievable commitment that you guys have made this, to find ways to get him good training partners and do what it takes to compete at a high level. Yeah. So, welcome in, Brent. Oh, thank you. Um, and... That it's an amazing thing because I'm I'm single and uh, don't have the resources that some married families have. And I was just talking to Spencer Teneri, just committed to South Dakota State. Talked to his dad that he's the same way, rural Iowa. He said I he hasn't had more than three practices in four months. You know, here he is competing at this level. It's so hard for heavyweights, but. I see the same problem with kids down at the bottom end of the bracket too, the 106ers, the 100s. But the difference is, is they can find there's a there's a ton of those kids in that, but you have to look for them. But they're there. We don't have them. When you're at the other end, when you got six, seven, six, five guys at 280 pounds, they don't they don't show up. They're all playing football too. That's that's what's really hard this time of year. So when's the last time you tangled with Braxton? Eight, when he was in eighth grade. That's when you gave it up, huh? <laughs> well. As I was telling you guys before, my, from my career, I, I competed a lot. I have a lot of arthritis. And so I was in the room with him once, and, and he actually tore my rotator cuff. I said, that's it. I'm done. And that was in eighth grade. And he, now he can – I just give him work. I just lay on the bottom and let him gut me, and, and that's painful enough. <laughs> I loved a lot of your quotes in Andy's article just about your level of commitment when did you turn the corner and just say, I'm going all in, all the chips are there, and I'm going to make sure he gets every single opportunity to be the best athlete he can be? That happened when he was in eighth grade. We went to Folk Style Nationals in Cedar Falls, and Braxton got lost a 1-0 match. And I can't remember the kid's name. He was out of Portland, Oregon. And it's the first time my kid ever had a meltdown. I've never let my kid have a meltdown, but he had one there. He threw his headgear. He went in the back, and I said, what's wrong? And he goes, I'm losing to guys because at the time he was playing football. And he goes, these guys are wrestling year-round and I'm not. And he goes, I want to start going year-round. I said, is that so we're on the plane ride home. And I said, what's it going to take then to do this? He goes, I want to go year-round. I want to go wherever we've got to go. And that's when I was in. And when he told me that's what – and when I knew that's what he wanted, because I know what that drive is like. In our family, that's just what we do. We, we don't we don't want to be average. And so I told him, whatever you got to do, I'm committed and, and – 
he's lucky because I don't have all the money to do it. My parents have, have helped quite a bit. I mean, I got to thank them for that. His grandparents. Without me and them, there's this wouldn't be possible. So that's that's you know three years ago when we went all in on it. You have a culture of excellence with weightlifting. You've set some world records in weightlifting. How do you compare and contrast what it takes to be good at weightlifting and to be good at wrestling? How are those similar? Well, they're they're different beasts. I mean, I've all the commitment is each step you go, cadet, junior, then you get into the NCAAs, and then you get to be a world champion. Is I, I've been a world champion, and I know. And after reading the article that Andy did with Jordan, is you know he t- he mentions about the balance between family and the balance between being a dad. And I don't know that people know that what that's like because I lost my marriage because of that because I was so committed to being the best in the world at lifting that I, I saw what was going on, and I, it was too late to save my marriage. But I figured I can save my kids. And, and I did so because my, my commitment was probably more than I needed it to be. And I, I lost my marriage because of it. It's my biggest regret. And, but, I, but I kept my kids knowing. So I gave up my career and pushed with him. So I would say, what do they have in common? You have to be regular. You have to stick with it because that's the number one thing I see with young kids is they, they skip things. They skip workouts. They skip training. They skip, even some of the guys on our team this morning skip breakfast. I don't get that. I mean, they've made weight. Why are they skipping breakfast to sleep an extra 20 minutes? It's little tiny things like that, that commitment that kids aren't doing. Get your butt out of bed and eat, you know. And um, Differences, lifting is a lot of times 30 seconds, 25 seconds. You know, this is six minutes. And so the commitment is the same. It's got to be regular. It's got to be intense. But uh, it has to be tempered and trained more towards that, that six-minute versus 30-second period. How important do you think weightlifting is to wrestling success? When the kids are younger, it's a huge difference. You know, when, when Braxton was younger, he couldn't win a match. He was horrible. Uh, in fact, he was so bad. At the time when we were married, I, I said to my wife, we need to find another sport for him. And and I said, son, you know, what? you, you want to do something different? He's like, no, I kind of like it. I'm like, you like getting beat every year after year. He didn't win matches for years. But the difference was is, is my kid liked it and he stuck with it. And so... I told him I was at a, a contest one day, and he goes, when do I get to start doing this? I said, so he was nine years old. I said, well, now that you ask, let's get you going. And so at, at a young age, it's a huge advantage for a kid that can lift versus a kid who can't. And that's when he started winning. But the problem was my kid wasn't very coordinated, you know. Uh, it took him, he matured very later. So it, he, now he's catching up finally. So in the beginning, I think it's huge. But as you... As you get towards the, another higher level, you know, NCAA's Olympic stuff, it's a, it's super important. But I think technique and conditioning becomes more important. Braxton is going to be going to the Greco-Roman Cadet World Championships. Are you excited about that opportunity? Oh man, yeah, yeah. I mean, this he's he's been talking about this for years. Trying to we didn't make it last year. We he got hammered pretty good in freestyle and uh, Greco. He just one match away from making it, but. This year he finally did it, and you know we're going to go. We're excited to see what happens. I, I hope he does really well. I, I really do. I'm, but that international is so different. I, I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. We yeah, enjoy. It is. This is fun. Make sure you watch it on Track Wrestling. I know you're going to be there to watch it live, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And you got another question here. Yeah, I was just going to ask. We wrote. I wrote about it a little bit, but yeah. uh, for our, our listeners that haven't read the piece. Can you explain what you guys do? It's it's once a week, once twice a week you hop in the car and it's six hours round trip or more. Yeah, I mean we have we have some shorter shorter trips in there, but really what I have to do is I have a calendar in my kitchen, a big huge calendar. It's, it's kind of antiquated and, and old, but I, I pencil in dates of these are days we need to train. These are people I need to text because I got to do it a week ahead of time because I can't just do it on a whim. Okay, we're driving 150 miles. Are you going to be there? And I need a firm answer, yes or no, because I'm going to be there. And we've gotten places before, like, oh, I don't have a key to the gym. What? You know, so, yeah, that, that's how we do it. And it's, it's sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's three times a week. It just depends on who I can get to go where and who's got a football camp, who's got a wrestling camp. Now it's getting really hard now because everybody's on vacation. I'm, I don't want to go and, ugh. It's frustrating. But that Braxton thinking much about college yet? He talks about it a lot. The problem we're having is he's got a lot of people looking at him, but 
he really wants to restore cars. He wants to build cars and build hot rods, and there's not a lot of that in college. And so it's limited a lot of his choices, and I think the word's getting out. But, I mean, it's nice to have the phone ringing off the hook, but, uh, you know, we're super close. He'd like to stay home. There's just not a lot of schools next to us. Oregon State's the closest, and that's still an eight-hour drive from where I'm at. You know, maybe a lot of our listeners are familiar with Washington Wrestling just because I think we, yeah. we probably have a large college-based listenership. And Washington Wrestling strong. Washington Wrestling has performed well uh, last week at 16U Duels here uh, as well, both styles. Uh, can, can you explain just kind of what the, the culture of high school wrestling and youth wrestling is like out in Washington? What, uh, what has made it so strong? I. I think the culture is really good. Um, I think it's we're, we're all frustrated as as parents and coaches and even kids is that it's not better because if we had a if Washington State and University of Washington were were had full teams it would be even better. But the culture is there. We have a really strong state organization. Justin Newby's done a great job of recruiting. We got over ten thousand members now. There's tons of meets each week. Um, you know, I don't know if what the other states do but i know our state's really committed to getting the kids here so i know they pay for a lot of our expenses to get our kids here which a lot of other states don't that's a huge advantage for us but we usually we're the ones traveling the farthest you know besides some other teams so it, i guess it's a trade-off but the commitments there there's certainly tons of interest before we let you go you got to give us your numbers on your lifting numbers yeah oh, <laughs> your oh. numbers for, yeah, were, for bench thought... for deadlift for uh yeah squat well Some my best deadlift numbers. was was 855 my best bench now we competed in in equipment so like in a t-shirt like this i could i could do 550 but in a competition with a shirt it was 650 okay and then i had the world record in the squat for three years at 1141 but they they don't recognize it in the uh, Guinness Book of Records because they only they only recognize weightlifting, which is what you see on the Olympics. Okay. They don't do powerlifting. So, well, if you need something moved, you're my guy, man. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm always a furniture guy. Everyone's always calling me. <laughs> we will see you over in Sofia, Bulgaria. Oh, I appreciate this time. Great oh, catching up with you here you at the Junior much. Duels. Thank appreciate you guys. I appreciate it. Andy, look at this, man. We have D1 coaches rolling all over the place here at the USA Wrestling Freestyle Junior National Duels. This guy I like because he's from Humboldt, Iowa. Great place, great tradition. You have another guy from Humboldt, Iowa that's coaching Iowa State named Kevin Dresser. And the guy we have right now, Purdue head wrestling coach, Tony Ursland, who went to the University of Iowa. How are you, Tony? I'm doing great. I just uh, got into town, got off a flight, and ran over here, and I'm trying to figure it all out today and look organized here by tonight. How are you liking it at Purdue? Is it a place you feel like you can, you can succeed? Yeah, no, I, I've, it's been a really good move for my family uh, and myself. You know, um, it's taken us a little bit longer in my mind to get where we want to be, you know, as far as a program. But, um, you know, with, with six national qualifiers returning next year and some good recruiting classes to back it up, I feel like we're in position to do some really good things. You know, it's you know having patience in these situations is the tough part you know and maybe uh i should have a little more patience but uh, you know we're ready to win and i want to win now and and uh you know i'm excited for the future but um you know we we need to kind of get it done against the better teams now we're excited about the future of track wrestling because we acquired richard emmel but that means you're going to lose someone. Talk about how impactful she was to your program. Yeah, Amanda was great. Um, you know, sad to see her go. Uh, we understand life moves on. But certainly, you know, I consider Amanda was very instrumental in helping us move uh, Purdue Wrestling forward. You know, her uh, taking over as supervisor of wrestling operations uh, allowed me to get out and recruit more, be down in the wrestling room more. You know, there's fewer administrative things I didn't have to worry about. And so it was awesome to have a man to take the reins on that and be able to trust her to follow through and get things done. So we will definitely miss her, uh, but we know, you know, that uh, her and her and Richard are, have a lot of great things ahead, of, ahead for them. Of course, being a head coach, you have to wear a ton of different hats, but if you could 
get a lot of stuff off your plate and just focus on maybe the two or three most important things, what would those things be? Well, you know, I mean, what what I love to do is to be in the room with the guys, right? I mean, you, you start coaching because you love being in the room and developing the guys, and so that's my first thing. That's my first love. Recruiting is, is a must. Um, the other thing you have to do anymore uh, is the RTC development, the fundraising aspect, putting people around your guys, and so those three things are really where my focus lies you know some of these other administrative things you know um you know with camps and and just you know other aspects of program development you like to leave to people like amanda or other people you know that are they're maybe more equipped with that or have a, a passion for it like i do for for coaching going back to the humboldt iowa isn't it kind of crazy though that you got small town of humboldt iowa two d1 coaches that's pretty cool yeah, it is. It's 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 kind of mind blowing. You know what I mean? Um, that's such a small town. Um, but you know, when I look back, you know, wrestling was just so ingrained in what you did. You know, it was kind of like basketball or football. You know, when you think of popular sports across the country, it was just a very popular sport. And I didn't, I didn't know any different. I thought it was just one of the best sports to be a part of and be involved with because everybody loved it and and pulled you into it and uh, you know enjoyed it. So you know, maybe not so surprising if you think about the roots and. And uh, what it was when I was growing up there, but but certainly when you think about the percentages of you know D1 coaches and, and to have two guys in Division One is you know uh, certainly surprising. How much has social media changed the way you recruit? Yeah, you know it's 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 a big deal now. You're you're watching and you know you, you can recruit these kids earlier and earlier, and so you're you're watching to see you know you know kind of who they are. You know, because it's such a big part of who they are now, right? I mean, you know, these kids, um, you know, what they do and where they're at and who they're with and what they think about are all integral to their development as a student athlete. And you want to make sure it fits your culture and your team and what you're trying to do. Have you ever not recruited somebody because of something they posted? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's been, uh, you know, a few times when we've seen some posts come out where, you know, it was just, it was inappropriate and it, it just wouldn't fit with, like I said, what you're trying to do from a, a team standpoint or a culture, you know, uh, what you stand for, what you believe. And so, yeah, we've had to kind of walk away from uh, certain certain kids at certain points. Prior to your Purdue days, obviously you're a longtime assistant coach in Nebraska. You got to see the Burroughs era really take off. When did you realize that you had a superstar on your hands or a potential superstar on your hands in Jordan Burroughs? You know, I would say between that second and third year. You know, the story with Jordan's probably well documented. His first year was was disappointing, you know, to him and and I'm sure to to all of us right at Nebraska. But he took he took the advice that coach Manning and the rest of us on the staff gave him and the next year was third and you could just see it kind of fueling his fire and as he gathered momentum, he just kept doing more and more things right and bought into, you know, uh getting better in all aspects, whether it would be his diet or his weight training or his conditioning. So I really think, you know, in that, that second, third year when he was really gaining momentum and, and accomplishing some things, when he really started to take off. Um, I, I would also say, though, that, you know, he got hurt his senior year and had to red shirt and, you know, and took six months off from the sport. And I, I always thought that was fairly significant for him, too, because he was on a roll having won the national title and then had it all taken away so fast. And so, you know, I feel like maybe he really, um, you know, realized that this could all be done quickly and he cherished it and, you know, realized that he should value each opportunity to compete, to train, to get better. And, um, you know, it looks like he still does that. You know, he still values the opportunity to get better and train and compete. And, and um, you know, I think that that probably was from his college days. Besides being a five-time World and Olympic champ, an unbelievable ambassador for our sport, and he's become incredibly charismatic and engaging and done great things with that role. We haven't, we, at the beginning, when I, we first started interviewing him, he wasn't th- this charismatic, gregarious guy when the microphones were on, when the cameras were in front of his face. But, but did you see that side of him? When they weren't on, was he was he a little bit shy in front of us, and or, or has his personality kind of grown as uh, his credentials have as well? I, I certainly think his personality has grown as his credentials have grown, but you know he always had that. Um that confidence, you know, there was almost, you know, I, I call it a game sometimes, but, um, you know, when I look at it and I 
how he may have been ahead of his time. But there was a little game sometimes when he would he would play and he'd say, "Hey, you know, Ursuline, you know, I'm the best. You know, tell me I'm the best. You know, just joking, playing in the locker room. You know what I mean? You know, I'm the best, Ursuline. And and I I think of something in joke. Hey, you, you don't know how to hand fight yet. You're not the best. Or you know, there's guys they're they're a little stronger. You know, they're just a little game, right? It was something fun that we used to talk about in the locker room, sitting around and and uh, you know, I look at it now and it was him almost working himself mentally. You know, I mean, he was thinking big. He was thinking, I'm the best. You know I'm the best. You know what I mean? And it was just, I look back at it as a little game, but I really think, like, mentally, even at that time, he was working himself uh, in a positive way, and, it, and it's paying off big, you know, now. You take someone like Jordan Burroughs, who has that unique combination of talent, drive, work ethic, intellect, but not everyone has those intangibles. How do you overcome lack of skill and still be successful at the collegiate level especially d1 well i just i think um d1 well college wrestling in general i I would hate to just say just d1 but you know it's a grind i mean it's a it's a different animal Uh, and i'm you know not even saying obviously there's tremendous translation from uh you know college success into world team success too but you'll see guys who don't have that talent but they accept the grind and the work that comes with it you know that that struggle they really embrace it and those kids find a way to get it done you know um it might be ugly you know grinding out a ride or you know whatever it's got to be hand fighting a guy to death for seven minutes but you know that grind is real and so i i I don't want to say that it's just strictly the best talented kids you know there's so many different ways to win in college wrestling, and, and that grind is part of it. Obviously, a ton going on here. we got 20 mats here at the Junior National Duels, and you come in probably looking for some talent here. As a recruiter, what are, what are two or three things you're really looking for that you want to see out of a kid this weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I really I'm just looking for kids who love to compete and um, will uh, embrace the, the, the work necessary to win you know what i mean um you don't have to win you know every match i'm not here just looking for the kid who gets his hand raised every time it's how they compete and how they they approach all of the the situations they're going to be in you know between greco and freestyle they're going to wrestle a ton of matches same thing in fargo and so you're really just watching how they react to bad calls maybe to a tough loss do they bounce back and are they the same kid or do they they put their head down and go away so you're just really looking for those kids who show that they have the drive and and, and you know the the you know I, I guess it's just competitive drive to to stay in there and, and overcome a lot of tough situations. Do you come into this saying I want to look at X number of kids? I've got these certain kids on my list, or or is this kind of an eye opening experience where somebody catches your eye, or a little bit of both? It's both. You know, you certainly you come with a list. You know, I think these days everybody, because of, you know, track and flow and all of these different things, know who the best kids are. I mean, we I think most people know who the best kids are. Um, and so you have that list. But you're always looking to add to that list and, and find those kids that are still, you know, maybe they're a little bit raw. They haven't had the coaching or the exposure and they're really ready to take off. How much can you develop an athlete once they get to college? You know, I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of shaping to still be done. Um, when I was younger, I would have maybe given you a different answer where you can you can change a lot. And you, you, you can still have a huge change. That's what I love about coaching. You can still develop young men and have a huge influence on who they're going to be as both a wrestler and a man and, and you know, a student. But, um, you know, I think, you know, they've, they've got to want to do it. You know, I, I always tell uh, the student, you know, we're going to provide you, you know, this this environment and the coaching and the resources, but you still got to do the heavy lifting, right? You still have to do the work. You still have to want to do it, you know, on lots of different fronts. So um, while, yes, you can absolutely have a, a positive impact on kids, and that's why I'm in it, um, I think you're looking for kids, though, that have that drive, and that's it's in them. Dan Gable was your college wrestling coach at Iowa. What did he instill in you that you still use today? You know, the thing that um, that I really appreciate about him as I look back to is um, how he kind of looked at the individual uh, and found out what makes you tick and went to great lengths 
to, uh, you know, talking to people, whether it's your parents or could be your friend or whoever, to find out what makes you tick and what buttons to push to, to get you to, uh, to buy in, to push hard as well. And, and that's something that I have always appreciated and that I value now is, you know, you got to look at the individual and you certainly, you want to, I, I tell people, I don't want to treat you all the same. I just trust I'm going to treat you fair. You know, we're going to make decisions, you know, on you, your career and, and those things. And we're going to try to be fair. It's just not always going to be the same from kid to kid. And I really believe that's just because, as Coach Cable would tell you, they're all different. They respond to different things. And you've got to create that for each kid. Purdue has a great mascot. Have you ever thought about coaching a practice with the Purdue mascot outfit on just one time? Do it for the kids. Let him see in the Purdue outfit. I, yeah, you know, that's interesting. I could probably be persuaded one time to do it for the kids. That's that, for the kids, that's a powerful motivator. So that, we might have to make that happen. I, I'm into doing some unusual things if it's going to pull the casual fan in and grow the sport, especially at Purdue. So, you know, that's, that's something we could maybe get behind. And it just reminds me of Bill Walsh, if you remember him. He was the legendary 49ers coach. Yep. They were at the Super Bowl, and I guess he dressed up as a butler to try to cut the – you know, just cut the tension a little bit, showed up at the hotel in a butler's outfit. That might be more your style, maybe the butler's outfit at the NCAAs. You know, I, our guys would probably get a hoot out of that because, you know, I think they feel like I'm I'm pretty serious guy most of the time. And so to a change of pace like that <laughs> might be a good thing. Um, you know, I, I will t- – quick story. Christian Bruner showed up at practice uh, on Halloween – dressed up as me and he put baby powder all over his face because I had a gray beard at the time. He, he, he had the funny walk because, you know, my low back and my hips don't don't work all the time like they should. And uh, I really enjoyed that. So you might be on to something here. We might have to go a different direction. Have you seen the Jim Zaleski imitations that they did a few years ago out of Oregon State? I have not seen them. Okay. Andy showed that to me. So is that right? I got yeah. I got to check that out then. Though, of course, Jim Zaleski was your assistant coach, so we have to prep that. that yeah, Jimmy you know was Jimmy. Jimmy was at Iowa when I was there. It was great. Love love Jimmy, and uh, you know, get to catch up with him from time to time at uh, Oregon State. So we appreciate this time. All the best here at the Junior National Duels for freestyle wrestling. Always great catching up with you, Tony. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Our final guest on this special live edition of On the Mat, live from the 2019 USA Wrestling Freestyle Junior Duels. We have the assistant coach at the University of Iowa, Ryan Morningstar, three-time state champion, and a friend to Andy Hamilton. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm a little nervous now that we're live. I didn't know we are going live. Well, it's not live. It's a podcast, so if you mess All up, right. we can cut it out, and we might even do that, but the, the audience won't know. It's false advertising. <laughs> you having fun? It's cool that you get a chance to do this. You get a chance to be around the college guys, and you have a chance to coach these juniors at Team Iowa. It's got to be fun for you. Yeah, I really enjoy this. Um, it's uh, it's something that I look forward to in the summer, the uh, junior duels, and then um, also uh, you know going to Fargo and coaching at Fargo too. I've been doing it since I was actually in college. So when I was when I was uh, we'd get done with our camps and and our summer training and all that stuff, and then I would go to Fargo camp and, and coach. And I, it's just uh, something I've it's uh, ingrained in me. It's something I've always enjoyed and and continue to do. So I'm happy to be here. Team Illinois is always the team to beat. How do you build a culture that can consistently beat Team Illinois? Not saying you can't beat them this time around, but that's the team that everyone's gunning for. Yeah, they do a really nice job, and and um, they've they've got some really good athletes, and and they've they have no doubt they've they've set the bar for for uh, the juniors, and and so yeah, that's a team that we want, we'd like to knock off, and and it's a team that we want to beat, and um, and and they they do a really nice job. They've got good coaching, and and um, and. Uh, they're uh, they're good wrestlers. They're good wrestlers for sure. You've had a good run so far. Just beat Team California. You guys are in the gold bracket. You feel good about how your team looks? Yeah, so far so good. Um, we just got to keep winning. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, there's going to be some grinding matches tomorrow, and and uh, we're looking forward to it. What's the coaching process like for this in terms of getting to know the athletes, what they like, what they respond to? How much are you able to to really get to know them prior to this? Um, well, it's, uh, you know, um, throughout the spring, um, you know, I'm, I'm at a, several of the freestyle tournaments. I'm, I'm unofficial at all these freestyle tournaments. 
and I can't coach them at these tournaments because it's not a sanctioned event. Um, but I, I have my eyes on them for most of the spring. And then with regional training center workouts and, and watching them following through the high school season, you, you kind of get to learn the tendencies. And, and so um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of familiarity just built in before you come into this event. So, and I, I think that helps out a lot. So, um, so far, so good. And, and um, you know, we, we, uh, we're doing a good job, so we just need to keep the ball rolling with it. You could tomorrow run into... Couple future Hawkeyes, couple guys that you've recruited, Abe Assad, Zach Glazier. What do you like about those guys? What what attracted you to those guys in the beginning? Um, well, I, I can I can talk about those guys because they are signed, sealed, and delivered. So um, those guys are tough competitors, and you know I've I've watched them down here in the past. At least Glazier. I don't know if Assad's been down here because he was on World Teams, but. Um, but I've I've watched Glazer down here and and uh, you know they're they're tough competitors and and we're really excited to get them in the Iowa room. They do a nice job. You're the recruiting coordinator for the University of Iowa wrestling program. Is your head on a swivel here, seeing guys that you like and maybe kind of taking notes mentally? Um, you know, I mean, you see stuff, but I'm not down here to recruit. You know, I'm I'm down here to. Um, to coach the team and, and develop these guys and develop the, the the guys from the state of Iowa that I'm passionate about and, and so I'm not down here really recruiting and I mean obviously you notice guys that look good and, and do do a, do a nice job and, and compete hard but but uh, that's not my focus when I come down here. Iowa's got a nice team coming in 2020. I know a lot of people are talking about it. There's a lot of buzz about it. You get to be in the room and see it. What should we feel good about Iowa Hawkeye wrestling for next season? You know, they, they we got guys that are exciting to watch and and guys that uh, that compete hard and and at the end of the day they're really good kids too. So they're they're role models for for future wrestlers and and uh, you know she got to keep a good thing going with those guys and and stay healthy and. And, um, you know, the, it's, uh, it's an exciting time to, to be around Iowa wrestling. Going back to this event for a minute, we had a chance to talk in Raleigh. I corralled you down there. <laughs> Took some work. But uh, we, had, we had a chance to talk about your memories in this. And, and for people that are listening to our podcast that haven't had a chance to see that video, you told the story about Montel Marion. Yep. And I think your, your senior year, what would that have been, like 2005? 2005, yep. It's the last time Iowa won, I think. Won the junior duels. You're yep. part of that freestyle championship team. Yep. He filled in, last minute replacement. Can you yeah, reshare so, that story? So um, we were in Iowa City, and um, TJ Siebel had to back out at the last minute. He, uh, he, I think he dinged his knee up or something. I think it was his knee. And so we're scrambling, and it's like we're, we're leaving for, for Oklahoma, and we're sitting in Iowa City in the parking lot, and, and we get on the road, and we're, like, thinking of guys that who we could call. And um, we're like, well, we're going through Des Moines. Let's call Montel. And, and Montel, we, we called Montel at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, and he was sleeping. And, and, and you could tell, he, he, I had him on the phone. He's, like, groggy. And, and uh, I'm like, hey, let's – let's go down to junior duels that we, we need a 19 pounder. We don't have anybody. And he's like, I'm like, how's your weight? You know? And, and, uh, he's like, uh, I think I'm all right. You know? And, and so he committed to it and we, we picked him up at the flying J in Des Moines and, uh, he jumped on the scale in the bathroom in Des Moines and he was like 121.4, <laughs> like full feet and everything. We're like, perfect. So he came down and, and, um, he beat, uh, I can't remember the guy's name from New Jersey in the finals, but he was a senior national finalist and a multiple-time Fargo All-American. He beat him twice and because we had Jersey in pool play, and then we had Jersey in the finals. And so he beat him twice in two big matches, and then he, he won several other big matches. He went like 8-1 and one or something like that, or 6-7-1, or seven and, one and, and did a really good job and, and filled a huge gap that we needed him. We needed him because and, and, we, we knew coming down here that we had the team that that could do some damage and, and it, you know, it was my senior year and Mitch Mueller and Joe Slayton and, and Chad Beatty. Um, we had those guys in the team, so we, we were loaded up pretty good. And, uh, so we knew we had the team to, to do it and, and, uh, he filled in and got it done. So you've had a lot of cool wrestling memories throughout the year, wrestled for championship teams, national championship teams at Iowa. That's going to be pretty cool to win one with your buddies that you've grown up with for a long time and been in, in the you know the club with growing up and trained with since you were probably in grade school. Yeah, it was it was really cool because um, you know my senior year um, or my uh, 2005 class we we had a we had a pretty solid class and um, 
you know, we, we traveled everywhere. Like we traveled down here to Tulsa when we were in eighth grade with, uh, with Pablo's club. And, and, you know, we had, we had some, you know, you had Borschel and Anson and, and, and those guys to add to the group. And, and, um, so to, to come down here and win, it was, it was pretty special. It was pretty cool. And, and then we went on to Fargo and, and, um, I think we had four champs and it wasn't, wasn't that close. I mean, we won Fargo too, and it was, it was pretty cool, pretty special. Thanks for taking this time. This has been a lot of fun. It's fun to see all these great teams competing and to see you on the sidelines coaching Team Iowa. Hope you're having fun, too. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a good time. All right, thanks for the time. Thank you. How's that for an edition of On the Mat? We had four guests. All had four different perspectives. It was fun to get a dad of a wrestler in there. We had some assistant coaches. We had a club coach. We had a head coach. We had the strangler. We had the strangler. A lot of fun doing that. It was great to get different takes and just learn more about where people are coming from. Highlight for me was your suggestion of getting Brent Mikesell on here. I thought he had just a lot of great things to say and just his challenges and how he's going to pursue greatness for his son. That was really fun to hear his story. Yeah, that's a fascinating story. Yeah. And one that when I started pursuing it, I had no clue that... Brent Mikesell was a world record-holding powerlifter at one point in his life. Squatted like 1,100 pounds, something absurd. It's ridiculous, man. That's so cool. And just to understand his journey and just his candidness, I think that's what I like the most about that. Just saying, I lost my wife because of this, and he still has his kids and wants to go on with that. And... Not one shred of arrogance. It was all just genuine and authentic. I think we need more of those kinds of interviews. Not saying that the other three weren't, but his was a unique story. And really appreciated what he had to say. Glad his son's going to the Cadet Greco World Championships. Yeah, that's a great story. Looking forward to seeing how Braxton performs over in Bulgaria. As we wrap this show up, we can't wrap up what the final results will be for the Freestyle Junior team. But this has been fun just to see what his been going on here of course team illinois won the greco won the women's still could win the freestyle they really do have a culture of winning these championships and it really is impressive to see and you see why just the t-shirts the illinois t-shirts i-l-l-i n-o-i-s correct illinois pretty cool to see that just the, the culture is on display here, and you see why they win championships. Such a strong program, and everything's buttoned up. You see it. The team camaraderie, the team shirts, guys are into it. There's incredible depth, and yet it seems like, hey, if I'm not in the lineup every time out, no big deal. Somebody else is going to pick up the, the slack for me. And it's, it's cool to see that... Uh, yeah, I might have said this earlier in the show. We've talked so much already, but uh, when you bring all-stars in from different points of the state and they've been adversaries and you can pull them together in, on short time and get them to root for each other and be into their matches, I think that's, I think that's really cool. And more incentive to watch Cadet Worlds, Junior Worlds, Senior Worlds. You get to see all of those. This is why you do that. You just get a glimpse of why that's so cool because this is a high level and to be able to get to see an even higher level than that great reason to get those streams on track wrestling hey it's awesome to be able to see tomorrow's stars today we're seeing a lot of superstars in the making here seeing some people that uh maybe we didn't know a ton about coming into the weekend that have caught our eye become uh bigger stars in our eyes and maybe some that we knew a little bit about that uh have turned some heads a little bit too and I think what they're saying is they want to be stars now. I think that's the the mentality of a lot of these programs. And it's just different. You just really get that vibe. And we continue to take that theme forward is that these guys really are having fun. It's it's not a lot of external pressure. It's yeah. whatever you want to put into it. And guys aren't hard on guys. They, they want them to win. They're cheering them on. But it's just a different mentality right now because wrestling is insanely hard and you have to do things to make it fun and to generate interest. And I think this is a great example of that. Well, nobody's holding back here. I mean, that's like the great oh. part is nobody's holding back trying to hang on, you know, win two to one. I, you know, I haven't seen a 
I don't think I've seen a one-one match the entire week. They go after it, yeah. Yeah, and, we, and I'm not sure that I've seen really a two-two match that's determined by one takedown here, one takedown there. We've seen a lot of high-scoring bouts. We've seen thirty-five plus points on the board and several matches here. Not many criteria wins, that's for sure. And, and what's cool is that you can see it, it go both ways. What We've seen a, a 6-0 lead evaporate. We've seen an 8-4 win extend into, what was it, two fives or a four and a five off those double eggs, 17-6. to six. Colby Noss. Yeah. Putting on a show. Yeah. So you just see. Cartwheeling for five. <laughs> it's just, you just see some of these cool things that happen. And it's it's a really good brand of wrestling and probably is a reason that you're such a fan of freestyle. This is love the product. It. Yeah, this I love is, it. This is high paced, entertaining, and, and it's just different. Just going back and forth, watching the Disney duels or the AAU Scholastic duels. You watch a, a folk style match and go to freestyle. It is completely different. And when you put them side by side, you just see the differences because a lot of times you get to see them seasonally and you get adjusted to one style versus the other. But when you watch them side by side, they're completely different just in the execution, the pace, Mm -hmm. the feel, the way you go into it. And, And that was one thing that struck me. I just thought, how cool would it be to walk off the match, whatever the score is, and then... Ten minutes later, you come back and wrestle the other style. You wrestle folk style and just see what what the difference is, how it would look, how the execution would be, and what the score would be. I think it would be fun to do something like that. You know what's interesting is how many times have we seen guys get launched across this venue for five, and you're like, how in the world is he going to get up and continue wrestling? And they go back to center. They get up, go back to center. You see the same type of deal or maybe lesser in folk style and – we're down for an injury time and maybe it's a DQ and it's a legal yeah. slam. It's so funny. Yeah. The, just even the, the lack of need for control. And I, I thought that TR Foley really elaborated on that and articulated that well, that freestyle Greco, it's about execution of, of the hold with folk style wrestling. It's about control. Yep. And I think that's the, the best way you can contrast those two styles. Any final thoughts from you before we close out this edition of On the Mat? No, it's just been a lot of fun, and unfortunately, we got to pack up and go home tomorrow. It's been fun, though. It's fun to get four guests on the show, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed listening to some really quality guests. So for always, Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling. He is not going to have a chicken smoothie tonight. <laughs> you are, though. Well, we, the thing is about the chicken smoothie before we end this is that not only was it chicken smoothie, <laughs> but we've actually added on that about what it could be with chicken smoothie. <laughs> put some barbecue sauce in there. Mac and cheese. Gravy, mac and cheese. Blend that. It's <laughs> Kyle's going to try one. Uh, when we go to a live video edition of On the Mat. Man. We'll see Kyle suck down a chicken smoothie. I I would do it for the cause. I will do it for the cause. But it's going to take a lot. It's going to take me getting amped up. (laughs) I don't even want to practice. I just want to go into it. So we'll see if that happens. So for Andy Hamilton, he will not have a a chicken smoothie. I might have a chicken smoothie. I'm Kyle Klingman. You have been listening to On the Mat. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.